Hey, 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 diet riders, Brooke and Alyssa here, your favorite intuitive eating dietitians. We just wanted to pop in and let you know that the doors to our membership are officially open. Yep, we're excited to announce this to you to let you know that right now, yep, right now, you can join the community of women inside our membership who are already working together to find food freedom and ride against food rules. You can go from feeling uncomfortable in your body, uncertain around foods, and unclear on how to actually implement intuitive eating into your life to a place where you're taking weekly steps to feeling free in your body and around food. You'll get access to two dietitians and a group of badass women cheering you on along the way. Weekly prompts, mini courses, recipes, and live Q&A calls and more will help you get sustainable, long-lasting results without dieting. We know working with a dietitian one-to-one is super important, but it can also be very expensive. So we created this monthly membership to be a more affordable way to give you access to two dietitians in a supportive and encouraging environment. If you're interested in joining, click the link in the show notes below or go to dietriders.com and click membership info. You'll learn more and to sign up and hurry, doors won't be open long and we only open them a few times a year since we want to keep this community tight knit and make sure we can answer all your questions. We can't wait to hang out with you inside the membership and help you along the way. All right, now back to the show. Hey, 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 Diet Riders. Welcome back to the Diet Ride Podcast. I'm Alyssa Miller. I'm Brooke Miller. We're both dietitians. Both moms. <laughs> both from Denver or living in Denver. Do Damn not. It. <laughs> <laughs> because got me as Matt clocked or got to me. You guys, I, yesterday, hold on. I said my sister-in-law's name twice wrong yesterday and I called her Sarah and I was like, that's not her name. And then I'm like, I think I'm having a stroke. I don't even know what I'm You saying. check for stroke symptoms. You're like, what's happening? So <laughs> I'm just losing it. You need to hurry up and drink your coffee and uh, so we can continue on yes. recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. totally. You guys, we are so excited. Like to say we're so excited about this podcast episode is understatement of the world. We have a special guest for you guys that I can't even tell you how special she is. Her name is Maggie and she's one of our Diet Rider members. And we invited her on the podcast because A, she's freaking incredible and really fun to talk to. But also we think you guys are going to resonate a lot with her story and just listening to the way that she explains things and how the Diet Riders membership has helped her, but also just her journey in general. And, um, Anyways, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on. I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your history with diet culture and what brought you to the point of signing up for Diet Riders membership, if you will. Yes. Hello. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Yeah. So my name is Maggie. I am a college student. I'm a senior in college at a small women's college in Western Massachusetts, and I have been dealing with diet culture for much of my life. It kind of runs in the family. Uh, So does being in a bigger body and cycling through diets. Uh, My first diet, I think, was when I was 13. Uh, My mom and I did Weight Watchers together. 
and I lost a lot of weight and I was super happy and it was the happiest I had been with my body since I had gone through puberty and I thought wow this is great and then over the years I gained the weight back and I thought well if it was easy that first time it must be easy again so I kept thinking all right well maybe if I try this kind of diet maybe if I just start writing down all the foods maybe if I use this app uh, and I kind of just cycled through a wide variety of different some named diets some just tracking and everything and I just really struggled with my body image and it kept getting worse every single year I would mm -hmm. gain weight and my body image would get worse. And it just got to the point where I did not feel okay looking in the mirror. I cried most times I went shopping because I just did not like how clothes looked on me. Mm -hmm. And it was just taking up so much of my life. And actually when I was uh, this winter, I was abroad in France. I was studying abroad. I was living in a little apartment in this beautiful Mediterranean town and exploring the world and improving my French and doing the things that I loved, but I was still obsessing over the scale. I bought a scale in France, which is one of my biggest regrets. The fact that I was mm -hmm. still writing down my, you know, my meal plan and trying to make judgments based on whether or not I had eaten good food or not that day. And, and I think then the pandemic hit and I had to come home in the middle of the night and ended up back in the Midwest where I live uh, usually. And I was just exhausted from it. And I was like, I just spent my time in France dieting. And granted, I had a wonderful time and there are certainly like I did eat great foods and everything, but there was shame with that. And I mm -hmm. regretted that so much. And um, I ended up finding intuitive eating on TikTok, which I guess is an appropriate thing for yes. a college student yeah, to do. Totally. <laughs> uh, and that turned into finding it on Instagram and following a million different uh, anti-diet registered dietitians and other sorts of accounts like that and learning about health at every size. And eventually I, I found the Diet Rioters and the podcast and it was my favorite thing to listen to on walks and just uh, all throughout the day. And so I knew that as soon as the membership opened, that that was something that was right for me. Especially as a college student, I don't have the money, the income to work one-on-one -on -one in a private practice kind of situation. And mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of my experience with dieting has been around community, whether it's community with my family or just community with people I met on the internet. The last couple of years of dieting was really driven by the fact that I had made some friends uh, dieting and trying to lose weight and talk to them every day. And I decided, well, I really liked that part of it. And if I want to move away from diet culture and reject the negative negativity and all of the negative impacts it's had in my life, then I also need to find a community just as dedicated to intuitive eating and to rejecting all of that that I am. And um, that's... That's Die Riders for me. Oh yeah, my gosh, Maggie. Story. I know. It's so That good, was incredible. 
I'm not going to lie. I started to tear up a little bit. I know. I was like, those hormones don't let (laughs) us. I mean, truly, Maggie, first of all, do you secretly have a podcast? Because you're an excellent presenter, an excellent storyteller. That story, I mean, I could just totally picture myself in that too, because I feel like so many of us have walked the same route. Now, granted, my route didn't lead me through France. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, but that is so incredible and just so uh, true. And I just, first of all, I'm so proud of your vulnerability here sharing, obviously, on this podcast, your story and just knowing that there's so many women out there listening that can resonate with you. And I'm just so impressed by how much you've come to know about yourself and your dieting history and everything at such a young age. You know, truly, that's really incredible too to have your whole life ahead of you focusing more on the things that bring you joy and happiness. And what a powerful, pivotal moment in your story to say, I bought a scale in France. Like, that's where I was at. I was in France in this beautiful time of my life but still worried about the scale and still focused on the things that diet culture wants me to focus on. I think that is such like an eye-opening moment for a lot of us. We all have a moment like that, right? Like mm-hmm. I was brought to my knees or I was realized that this is not okay at a certain point in your life. And I think we all have that moment of like, I just bought a scale in freaking France. What am I doing? <laughs> you know? And I just think that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, I know. Did you did you feel like when you were in France and you were tracking foods and weighing yourself, did you feel like it felt normalized? Like were others around you doing it or your online community still encouraging it and doing it? Or did you feel like you were trying to hide the fact that you were tracking? Or like, I guess the culture is so different than the US. So I would just mm-hmm. love to hear your experience in France versus the US because I don't know that France is as... Um, like obsessed with the numbers as we are because I've never been to France. Um, I just know that in France, they enjoy their food more than Americans. They eat slower. They eat later. They um, are obviously like walking more because transportation looks different too. But um, just the lifestyle is so much slower in Europe. Like when I've been to Europe, it's just everybody's very mindfully eating and they're really enjoying those meals and they're not eating distracted and they're not quite as crazy hectic busy as we are as Americans. So I'm just curious to hear what what your thoughts are like looking back on the culture versus the United States and was that an easier place to decide to quit dieting and and dive into that a little bit? Yeah so it's interesting because I think the United States obviously queen of diet culture it's everywhere but there's a lot of elements in France that are there too I think France is maybe even more focused on how people look and maybe a little less focused on the scale number but France is pretty judgmental about people's weight Mm -hmm. and that was something I was really aware of uh it was it was very obvious that I was in a bit of a bigger body than the average French person Mm -hmm. and I did feel like it 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 made me clear like oh well she's an American look at her body kind of thing Mm -hmm. even though I was trying to be immersed in the culture trying to just speak French and everything but that being said so that's definitely a downside of being in France is that there's there's definitely a lot of prejudices against what people look like based on their body size however you're right French people don't 
I don't think there are many French people who do things like keto because everyone loves bread. Why would right. you do keto? Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when Parts everyone eats a baguette every single day. Uh, yep. And so, but I actually, I have a good friend who is French and lives in France and I visited her in Paris. We, she actually uh, came and was a foreign exchange student in my house in high school. So I went and I was catching up with her and we actually ended up having this amazing conversation where I was talking about my body image and about dieting and all of that. And she said, yeah, in, in France, we just kind of learned from a young age that it is all about enjoying your food and making sure that things are happening in a moderate, like a moderation centered lifestyle Mm -hmm. where she was, she would say, and there definitely is a lot of diet culture in all the things she was saying, but she was saying like, if I know that I'm going to go out and I want to eat so much food for dinner and I want to have a whole pizza and dessert with my boyfriend and it's going to be amazing, then I just know that I will like probably want a salad earlier in the day because I don't want to be so full when I get to the restaurant from all the things that I had earlier in the day. And Mm -hmm. I don't go out to restaurants every day. So there's no shame around when you go out to eat and there's this amazing food. You want to be able to try it all and enjoy it all. I was, I was shocked at how much French people were eating at restaurants and uh, because I like could not keep up with all of their courses and their long meals. But I think there's something to be said about eating slowly and enjoying the food and, and realizing that like special occasion food can be an event and it shouldn't have any, shame around it Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't have you shouldn't feel guilty the next day Mm -hmm. and there's not there's a lot of things that aren't perfect about that rhetoric but it it was pretty eye-opening um and I think I think France showed me how much I had no connection to my own body's cues and no trust in my own body because I just didn't trust myself to to eat mindfully to eat slowly to eat to a point of comfort, mm-hmm. uh, even on a special occasion. Yeah, I think that's a really great reflection, a really great like eye opener of like, oh, I'm forced to kind of sit at this table for two to three hours while we finish a meal, right? But for Americans, 20, 30 minutes is like a long time for a lot of us to mm-hmm. be sitting and eating. And we technically like a lot of us typically eat that entire time we're sitting at the table. So it's like, oh, I don't know how to just sit back and grab my wine, you know, and just yeah. talk for a while and then go back to my pasta. Like, I, we just focus and eat. And I remember now I'm 16 in France right now, okay, in my head. <laughs> this is my history with France. So obviously, it's probably blurred because I was 16. The world was all about me, whatever. But I remember they never ate on the go. I remember being like, oh, we're headed to XYZ place. Let's stop by this bakery, grab a croissant and eat it on the way. And I remember the eyes on us that we were trying to eat and walk was just like, what the hell are you doing in our country? You're ruining everything. And I was like, oh, this isn't a thing they do. (laughs) And we were doing the same thing. We were visiting a, um, my best friend's sister was a foreign exchange student in Spain. We decided to go to France. And I remember meeting up with her and she was like, oh yeah, no one eats on the go. Now, I don't know if that's changed. 
it's been a few years, everybody, since I was 16. <laughs> but it was just really interesting of like, gosh, Americans are always eating on the go. I can't tell you the last time I got in my car and didn't turn to the person next to me and they were eating fries or I was eating the fries myself. Like, <laughs> we are always eating and definitely on the go. So I just think that's a really interesting perspective. Um, and especially like what a, I don't know, kind of a cool experience to say no to dieting in a place that was more focused, at least on enjoying the food and having that revelation of I'm not in touch with my body at all. I'm not in touch with the food. I'm not enjoying the food um, and kind of maybe even pushing right past it. So so that's really powerful. Um, I want to go back to you were kind of saying you and your mom went on a diet together. You went on Weight Watchers together. This is not an uncommon occurrence. This is something we hear all the time that either they plan to do it together or, you know, daughter sees their mom dieting or going on Weight Watchers or drinking Slim Fast or whatever. And then they grow up and they think that's what they're supposed to do. Or even as, you know, I just posted on my Instagram the other day, 10, ages 10, girls who are ages 10, um, actually 8 to 10, have an 80% rate of already being on a diet at the age of 10. So really 13 is not all that far, you know, off. And so maybe going back to that a little bit, how did your family environment or your, or even just being in the Midwest, like Brooke and I being from the Midwest too, like the diet culture there, how did that kind of shape your relationship with dieting and kind of that idea, like you said, like, oh, I lost weight really fast. It felt really easy. So that kind of felt like the answer to every time I needed to lose weight, it was another diet. How do you think that kind of shaped you? I think there's, it's definitely, I, I'm very connected to my body and dieting and food has always been a family matter in a lot of ways in, mm-hmm. not in the sense I am very lucky in the fact that my mom has never told me I have to lose weight mm-hmm. and she has never, which I I think I'm one of my few friends who that is the case and yeah, she has wonderful. never yeah, she's never forced me. It's only ever been when I've said, hey, I want to do this. And she Mm -hmm. said, I want to do this too. And so for that, I am so grateful. Mm -hmm. And I do think, I do think it's really shaped my relationship with movement. Growing up, I was an Irish dancer for, I think, like eight or nine years. But I struggled with a foot injury for a long time. I ended up having a surgery when I was probably 10 or 11. And, and after that, I wasn't able to dance anymore. And that was also when I started going through puberty. So my body was already starting to change. And I went from working out, well, not working out, but moving my body in a way that I loved. Yeah, for four plus times a year, for four plus times a week, I mean, and to nothing. And um, so seeing the way my body changed so rapidly, And that was around that time of, you know, 10, 11, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really shifted the way that I viewed my body because I had seen how my mom viewed her body and I saw my body starting to look bigger. And that was, you know, already in my mind, something that was not healthy or not good. And I think that's really what led me to think that that was the only solution. It's so important um, to remind other women that listen to this podcast because most of our listeners are moms. And it's like, look at, at this age, I assure you, mm-hmm. she didn't call you, say that you're overweight and you need to lose weight. Or it's it's insane to see that um, certain parents are very vocal about that. And, and you grew up in a very supportive environment. And it's like, 
so many of us do grow up and be with supportive parents um, who aren't pressuring us. But just as moms, if we are looking at our bodies and, and making comments about our own bodies, our daughters and our sons, they're listening to that and they're picking up on that and they're mm -hmm. hearing, oh, that's not good. I can't do that. I got to be like mom. I got to diet. And like, so it is, it is just such an important reminder for all of our moms out there or women out there, even as your friend, like even as a friend, like if you're talking negatively about your body, that's, that's um, making your friends question, you know, things about their bodies. And so just as a sister, a friend, a daughter, um, I think it's just so important the way that we talk about our bodies needs to be like more neutral so that we are not, um, yeah, just creating those body image issues. Well, and we all, we all have influence, right? Whether mm -hmm. that's influence yeah. on a lot of people, millions of people, or two people, or one person, we all have influence. And I think we all can do a little bit better of a job of taking that as a true responsibility without yeah. feeling shame or guilt when we get it wrong, because we're freaking human beings, right? Like, this is not to say we have to set a perfect example, but I think just opening up the conversation and saying, hey, this is something I'm working on. I would love to show this to my family that I can be vulnerable in this way and I can still feel confident and good no matter what size my body is. And I don't have to listen to the diet culture crap that's out there. I can mm -hmm. focus on me and my like realm of influence and how I treat others and how I treat myself in front of them. And knowing that our parents were doing the best that they could. You know, I think a lot of us have this conversation, especially with like our members or clients or whatever that, oh, my mom introduced me to dieting or my aunt or my grandma poked fun at my belly or whatever. And it's like, yes, that was horrible. And we absolutely need to feel validated and knowing that that was not okay. But also they were raised in diet culture too. They were told that yeah. this is the way to get healthy. They were told by doctors, by very high prominent people that this is good for you, that this is healthy. So it's hard to find and place blame, right? Because at some point we do have right. to take personal responsibility for ourselves and say, I know this thing was done to me and that's wrong, but I can rise above and I can find a place where I belong and where I can learn how I can truly serve, you know, my body and the people around me. And I think that's really cool about the Diet Writers uh, podcast. Like what a great place here to learn that and other, you know, thousands of other podcasts out there, not just for body image issues, but for we have the access that our parents and their parents didn't necessarily have, you know, so that can be really incredible. Um, Brooke, I'm sorry, I think I cut you off. You're about to ask a question. I think mm -hmm. I missed it. <laughs> oh, I just think, um, well, what she was saying too at the beginning is so powerful where you said it was taking up so much of my life. So if you get to go back to France when all this COVID stuff is over, mm -hmm. like what mm -hmm. will... What have you learned since then and what, how would you change your experience on vacation and just in your overall life? Like how is your life looking different than it was when you bought your scale in France? It's looking a lot different. For one thing, I know that just because I had a plan to be there for a whole semester doesn't mean that I got to be there for a whole semester. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if I had known that going in, if I had known going in that I would have to leave in early March instead of being able to stay through May, I can't imagine I would have wanted to buy a scale and keep a food journal and keep up with all of the mm -hmm. uh, dieting podcasts that I was listening to and all of the Instagram posts because I would have been like, oh my gosh, I only have this much time. I better enjoy everything I can. So. I think if I go back now, I definitely would not be keeping a food journal. 
I definitely would be enjoying things, trying new things. And I would be, I think, honestly, I think I would be less likely to eat to a point of discomfort, which was something I did a lot in France because I was still in that cycle of, of eating beyond comfort levels and then feeling guilty and then you know, the next day kind of trying to do eat, quote unquote, good all day until the evening when I was walking by and saw all of these things and, and bought all these pastries and would just eat them because I had been good all day, quote unquote, where instead it would just be a lot more of a, I want to try this. I want to eat this sandwich because it's here and looks delicious. And Maybe later on in the day, I see a pastry and yeah, of course, I'll buy it because when else am I going to be in France? When else am I going to have this opportunity? And I think I would be able to be a lot more uh, connected to those cues and to what it means to um, be traveling and existing and trying new things and, and listening to my body. And I really, there were times when I did that in France and I'm really glad that I did that. Uh, there were times that I tried new dishes or a new pastry or went out with friends. And I'm so glad now that I have those memories because if I had waited or if I had thought, oh, I'll have a chance to try this later, you know, that would have been gone. And I would never have gotten to have those experiences with my friends and on my own. So I think that's really a great metaphor for life too, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't know how many days we have here on earth. Do we really want to spend the time we have focused on calories and keeping a journal and tracking on my fitness pal? Like if we added up how much time it took us away from our friends and family just to physically look at the app to, you know, track things or whatever that looks like in your life, um, working out, running, even though you hate it, how many hours a week are you running, even though you absolutely hate it when you could be doing something like Irish jig dancing or something fun and exciting that you actually enjoy spending your time doing rather than, oh, this equals this equals health. Um, I think that's really a beautiful metaphor. And I, I love, um, kind of the picture that you're painting here of saying, I kind of had both in France. I had diet culture pulling me this way. I was buying a scale. I was tracking. I was keeping a food journal. I was saying no to things I wanted to say yes to. But then you're also kind of like, well, but some days I was okay with grabbing the pastry and I was okay with going out with friends. And now I'm so grateful that I did. So Mm -hmm. I think so many of us can resonate with that. It's that cycle of diet culture that a lot of us can get sucked into. Now, of course, there's people that are like every day really regimented, never letting go, never, you know, whatever, very controlled. But I think a lot of us are in that middle ground of being pulled towards diets and getting into like a shame cycle in our head and feeling like we have to start a new diet. We need to be healthy. I feel so miserable. But then other times of the month being like, oh, whatever, like, it's fine. I can go out with my friends or whatever. And I think we kind of bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm going to kind of ask you a leading question here, <laughs> but only because I know you. <laughs> what do you think about the um, steadiness that that diet rioters or just intuitive eating in general has brought to your life. What does that mean to you? Kind of like the steady eddy of like, hey, this is going to take time. And this is um, more of a long journey rather than a sprint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think, I think 
a lot of, I was thinking about this earlier today because I was logging onto the membership. I was checking, uh, there's some new members joining. So I was reading their introductions and I was reading what other people have been saying. Guys, she's a gold and- star student. Can I just <laughs> tell you in the membership, she yep. is gold star. Okay. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> and I was, I was just thinking like, I'm so grateful that this is how I'm spending my time instead of instead of journaling about my food and not that I don't love to journal, but in a, in a very diet centric way. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how I've really effectively replaced a lot of that diet culture parts of my life. Like having like listening to those podcasts, I've replaced that with intuitive eating podcasts, finding that community. I talk to a lot of diet riot members like kind of every day. Now we have an Instagram group that we DM back and forth sometimes if we just want to chat and uh, I have the workbook. So instead of reading about diet diets online, I work on the intuitive eating workbook and I've Mm -hmm. kind of integrated that into my lifestyle in a way that really feels like this is going to go on forever. And I don't feel rushed in it, which I think is a big thing in with dieting, I always felt like you got to get to this. This is the weight that I'm going to get to and then it'll be done and I can finally relax and I can finally be happy. And I don't know when this moment was, but I know that it was a huge moment in my life the first time. And it was recent. It was only in the last couple of months that I realized, oh, my God, I don't think I'm ever going to diet ever again. I don't think I'm ever going to Jazz Go back to that <laughs> yeah because and that felt so huge because like you were saying yeah. I had been in a long time I had been either in I had been in that middle place where I didn't want to but I kept felt it feeling pulled that way oh I should be trying to lose weight I should be trying to diet and mm-hmm. I finally just felt this like complete release of and I, I actually cried when I first had that thought in my brain because totally, it was just yeah. such a good feeling of, oh my god I don't have to do this ever again and so because that's off the table, I have all the time in the world to work on myself and to start this journey. But also, like, I'm in no rush. I can work through the principles at my own pace and because I'm never going to be perfect at them. And I can just keep working on it and keep building on it. And it's it's exciting because the results just mean that I'm happier and and healthier and more confident and and you know can improve my own relationships in my life and it's just it's it's honestly a relief and it brings me a lot of happiness oh god dying smiling (laughs) and and the, the best line was i felt happier healthier and more confident and that is what diets promise us right Mm -hmm. is this false hope of when you get skinny, when you hit your goal weight, when you hit the size, you're going to be happier, healthier, and more confident. And then that just doesn't happen. And it's so frustrating. And, and then you keep like, chasing it. Look at you. Like, you're just like, this gets better. Like, I'm happier each day. You know, like, it just progresses and gains momentum. And just like the diet, chasing the diet, it just doesn't work long term. And it, just hearing your story, I think your story is so relatable. Like, how many of us have tried diets at a young age or felt called mm-hmm. to do it because of our moms or our friends or just the culture around us, social media. I mean, there's so many things that are telling us, oh, when you lose the weight, you'll find happiness. And and that's why people diet in the first place. Mm-hmm. They're chasing that. And mm-hmm. it's like, you don't have to diet to get those things. You can 
improve your health. You can improve your happiness. You can improve your confidence by just doing these things. And it's a journey. Like, but look at how much progress, like, so how long have you actually been at intuitive eating? Like because you started, you knew about it before you joined the membership. So you weren't, Mm -hmm. um, so how long do you think it's been since you've kind of like started reading the book and doing the workbook um, and learning more about it? I think, honestly, it was probably at some point in the middle of March that I started learning about it. Okay. But I don't think I was really fully on board until probably like May was when I was like, this is what I'm going to be. This is where I need to put my focus. Yeah. And that's not a long time. It's September now. That's a few yeah, months. Six months, not even. And, yeah. Yeah. And so much faster than than the happiness that diets promise. Like who knew that yeah. that I've been I've been chasing that happiness and confidence and everything for so long. And and that's what they promise. And who knew that I could find that simply by getting rid of that chase, that constant chase for perfection. And Yeah. Yeah, I'm just and really grateful that I found. Yeah, thank God for TikTok. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank God for TikTok. I think I found our title. I know. That's the title. That's hilarious. Absolutely. Um. Okay, Maggie. Okay, first of all, I had full body chills when you were talking. Uh, you have a beautiful way of explaining this um, story that you're going through, and just it's really moving to me because I think I identify with it so much. Um. What I loved that you said in there was it sounded like you didn't quite let go of the idea of never dieting again right away. You didn't have to let go of that completely to jump onto intuitive eating. And we talk about this. You can just put it on the back burner. Diet Mm -hmm. culture will be there for you. If intuitive eating, for whatever reason, isn't working for you, you can always run back to diets, right? Like if you want that safety net, you feel like that's a safety net for you. You don't have to let go of it right away. But what you said was so powerful because you said, as soon as I let that go, first of all, you cried. Absolutely, I cried too. Mm -hmm. I've grieved the time that I've spent on diet culture, but also crying in support of the happiness that intuitive eating has brought me. And it sounds like kind of that's where you're at too, or you were at. But then the idea of I'm never going to diet again, letting that go, mm-hmm. you said actually frees up time for me to work on myself. I don't feel rushed. I don't feel like there's an end goal. Now I just have time. And how beautiful is that to think like, we can actually slow down and stop trying to hit this get fitness goal of in 30 days, I'll do this and always feeling behind because let's face it, most of us are always behind on those random goals that someone else sets for us that doesn't even know us. Yeah. But then you can actually have time to tune in, to listen, to be still, to work on yourself, to listen to podcasts or courses or you know go inside the membership, communicate with other people and grow and actually give yourself the time that you need, not on someone else's timetable. We're on our timetable. Like everyone's going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I just absolutely love that reflection because A, that's exactly what has happened to me. And I think that is really beautiful. All the like mental space and physical space and time that we've actually given back to ourselves by letting go of dieting because we don't realize how much diet culture captures of us. It's what we spend our time consuming and reading and thinking about and tracking and pulling out our phone and looking up the you know ingredients on the restaurant label or whatever it is. It's so much time and energy we don't even realize because it's creeped in slowly. Um, but once you let go of it, the time you have to actually work on something is really incredible. And actually, one of the questions I've gotten from someone who uh, signed up for the membership recently, but it was on the fence, they said, hey, how much commitment, like how much time commitment do I need to give to the membership? 
And I explained to them, hey, you don't have to do any of it. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can sign in for five minutes a week. You can go in and get like three hours worth of work a week if you want. Like, it is totally up to you. And she was blown away by that because every other program she's done with dieting says, well, you have to commit this amount of time and you have to do this if you want results. Da, 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 da. And it's like really kind of barbaric of what people expect of you. Whereas really intuitive eating and the membership we're here to support you monthly and regularly and have a place for you to go with these thoughts and these feelings and and kind of guiding you on how to work on your own relationship with food and your body. But it's up to you. Like you get to decide how much work and how safe you feel taking the next step. Um, so I loved what you said too about how the Diet Writers community has kind of substituted this community that you had before because you were making friends. And I know this was a big thing we've talked about before that you struggled letting go of some of those um, communities or places you would go to communicate with your friends because you met them in the height of diet culture and in your life and in theirs, obviously, and bonded over it. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of saying the community and diet writers has helped you kind of move into a place of making new friendships alongside or outside of diet culture and being able to continue, I'm sure, some of your relationships that started in diet culture, but now I'm hoping has evolved into talking about different types of things or different focusing. Can you expand a little bit on that about how the Diet Writers membership specifically has helped you rebuild that community and what else have you found helpful inside the membership specifically in your journey? Yeah, so much. I think, I think honestly, those, those groups that I was a part of before that were so focused on losing weight that's why they were founded but like that's why we all got together and that's really what we talked about in basically everything we would share Uh, we would also talk about our life so we would get those real connections but it always came back to and then and then I really ate way too much because of all these stressors that are going on in my life and then it's oh well you should really you know this is how you should fix that in the future and I think there's just so much in that that is connected to, okay, well then you should be doing the right thing and what should you be doing and how can you do better next time because I'm do mm-hmm. I'm losing weight and you're not. And th- that got a little bit difficult because there was that competition there where, yes. um, yeah. and so I think that was the main thing that was still connecting me to that diet culture. And I yeah. think honestly, once I kind of said, listen, I love you all, good luck to you and whatever you're doing, but I need to step back. I need to, you know, leave this group, feel free to keep in touch in the future I, you know, I respect you all as people. I respect anything that you're doing, you know, like good for you to on whatever you want to be doing. Not my place to Mm -hmm. tell them, like I wasn't going to go in there and say, you need to stop dieting because I think, you know, they'll get, they'll get there on their own if they want to, you know, if, um, and if they ever want to talk about that, I'm always open to um, Mm -hmm. sharing my experience. But I think that um, moving away from that and then, intentionally trying to recreate a sense of community in the diet writers membership and that really comes with it's as simple as like responding to posts every day or every time i log in just you know choosing a couple and responding and following some people on instagram and dming back and forth and the relationships that i've started to build i think i'm building them more slowly because there's not that pressure. And I think that that's a good thing. I think 
I think I'm glad that I don't feel like there's any competition because we're all just working on it in our own paces. We're all coming at it in from very different experiences. We don't all have the same goal, which is nice. It's not like, oh, everyone here is here to lose weight, period. That's why mm-hmm. we're here. Everyone's here in the Diet Riot membership for a different reason, but we're all here around some common values and some common hopes for what we want to get out of life. And that has been really exciting. And I'm really, really excited for more people to join so that I can build Mm -hmm. more of those relationships. I think, I don't know, I just, I'm ready to, I'm ready to focus my relationships, um, to focus on the relationships that really match those values. And that's, that's been true in my friendships in real life too. And there are lots of really good friends where that is a conversation that I've been able to have with them and share that this is something that I'm doing. I always felt like I had to hide dieting because I didn't want them to know. I didn't want them to think that I was commenting on their weight or on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this, I've been able to be a bit more open about it. And it's brought a lot of people in my life closer to me because I've been open about here are here's my past with disordered eating. Here's the things that I was hiding from you for a long time. And here's what's helping me. And here's where I think I'm growing. And I think I'm doing things that are good for me. And I've found that so many of my friends are in similar boats and also Mm -hmm. are like, wait, could you send me some of those Instagram pages that you were talking about? What Mm -hmm. was that podcast again you were talking about? And I think a lot of, especially people my age, like, I think so many of us grew up in such a diet culture. uh, Like we grew up on the internet and there's a lot of diet culture on the internet. And I think so many of us are coming with so much disordered eating history with um, bad relationships with our bodies, not being able to trust ourselves around food. And I think that there's just, I think there's so much room for growth in those relationships when I'm able to be more honest about this is, these are, this is where I've been struggling and this is where I've been really proud of myself. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. I love those reflections. Do you feel like you have any words of wisdom for like anyone who's on the fence about joining and just starting intuitive eating at all? Like what would your advice be somebody who's just learning about intuitive eating for the first time and they're scared to stop dieting and they're scared to join the membership because they're scared to give up keto and rules and intermittent fasting. Yeah. I mean, it can be scary, but also I would just encourage if you're on the fence, I would encourage you to think about all of the things you've missed out on because you've been waiting for you've been waiting to reach a certain goal weight or you've been waiting to finally get to a certain point in your diet. And I just, I just want to encourage people to not wait anymore on living a lot of their life. I, I am only 21 and I feel like I've missed out on a lot of things in my life that I don't want to keep missing. And that's why I think intuitive eating has to be a step for people who have struggled for so long with their bodies, with their relationships with food. And it's worth a shot. You know, it's worth a shot to just try living your life, healing your relationship with food. And really, I I mean, what do you have 
to lose. I know you you both say that a lot. Uh, you know, <laughs> try it for a year, as you all say, as yeah. you both say. And I just think like, yeah, do it. See if you're living a more a more full life by being able to reject that constant judgment and that constant shame and all of that and just finally be able to simply work on yourself and work on your relationships and work on your life and it's a uh, it's a real game changer so it is i love that maggie Gosh, one of our star students, this is the thing too about the membership is you can be as active or as inactive as you want to be inside the membership. So every week we post a prompt and a lot of our members will take that time to answer the questions in a comment underneath. But a lot of our members have also told us they do it at home in a journal by themselves. And that is completely fine. We encourage that. Um, some t- some people love to share and love that like um, community and accountability almost. And some people like to do it privately. And it's completely fine. The membership is there for whatever you need it to be. But Maggie is one of our, like literally, I don't want to say our favorite because honestly, we love all of our freaking members, but she's just in there all the time commenting and supporting. And it sounds like the community aspect is really your most favorite part about the Diet Riders membership and um, just in general. And she's clearly a very person oriented um, person. And I think that's that's really incredible. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being a part of the membership and being one of the members that supports and encourages everyone that's in there. I am always amazed at how beautiful your reflections are and your support is in there. So thank you for that. And I think other people really appreciate it as well. So Maggie, thank you so much for coming on. And yeah, we just, um, we want to let you guys know that doors aren't open for much longer for the membership. So if you're thinking about joining, feel free to reach out to us or click in the show notes below to join today. It is $25 a month or $275 for the year. Um, So you save a little bit there. And like Maggie said, you could give it a year. Give it a year. I think I think it'll be well, well worth it. I cannot recommend it enough. (laughs) And we have a bonus too, and Maggie can speak about this, but we have a bonus that ends, so this airs on a Tuesday, and our bonus ends at midnight on on Tuesday for um, winning a one-to-one call with Alyssa and I. Technically, it's a two-to-one call with Alyssa and I. But anybody who signs up this round, this launch for a year, they get entered to win. So we'll pull a winner and then they will get a free um, consultation with us, a free private coaching call. Um, And actually, Maggie won ours last time. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it was just a really fun way to get to know you better. Um, And, yeah, it was just such a such a great way. I was like, man, I wish we had time to do these one-to-ones with every single person because it was so enjoyable. And Alyssa and I finished that call and we're like, this is why we do this. Like, this is so fun getting to know members and hearing these stories because even though your story might be slightly different than somebody else's, I just feel like all of us can connect to some aspect of your story. And that's why the membership and community model is so great because you hear other people talking and you just, it's relatable. It's like people are in there. Nobody's talking down on you. Nobody's judging you. Like sometimes when we go and and meet with healthcare practitioners or providers, we're told like, oh, just lose weight and do this and exercise more and eat less and bye. Like you're just kind of pushed off. But in this community, it's just, you're, you're feeling the support from all of the other members and, and there's, like somebody else said that they were, they didn't feel judged. 
like they felt like they could open up inside the membership without judgment. And I think um, it's because of the members in there, why they feel that way, because everybody is so open and honest um, with their feelings, which just makes it better for everybody. So we appreciate you being here. We appreciate the time you took out of your day to be here and just being an amazing member in our membership. And we're so excited to have new people joining. It's been so fun to get to know them um, already in the last you know, 48 hours, 72 hours, um, but we're just so excited. And doors are closing officially um, soon and they will be closed for 2020. Like we are not opening doors again until 2021. So this is your last chance. And Maggie, I I wanted to ask now, I can edit this out if you want, but um, is there an Instagram account that you'd like people to follow you at? Because I know you have your one about rejecting diet culture. Yeah, sure. That would be very fun. Uh, So I did make make an Instagram account simply for my intuitive eating journey because I wanted to be able to follow everyone and just Mm -hmm. be able to go and get all of that good intuitive eating content in my feed nonstop. So yeah, if you want to follow me at Maggie Rejects Diet Culture on Instagram. I'm there. And awesome. Yeah. And we follow you over there too. And we just love all the things that you post and talk about. And I think that's a really smart idea. We need to protect what we're consuming. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that a lot. So what an awesome idea. And thank you, Maggie, again, for being on. And for the rest of you guys, we will see you next week with a brand new episode. See you later. Bye. Bye.